0: Businesses From somewhere deep in the cloud and the corners of the earth, this is the Killing It Podcast with a focus on helping you make sense and dollars of all things IT
1: with your hosts, Dave Sobel, Ryan Morris, and Carl Polichuk. Welcome to episode 105 of the Killing It!
2: Killing Yay. it!
1: podcast this is carl and i'm here with dave and ryan as usual and it's spring at least in the northern hemisphere so uh weather is getting better people are getting shots have either you guys got shots i got my first shot on the
0: last weekend so i'm so excited my wife is getting her second tomorrow uh, so you sort of looking to go like this, you can see it. You can start seeing a timeline of things being going like, okay, I can, I can manage at this point. So I'm, I'm saying to everyone, cause this is the way I say it is is you talk about this because we need to all hear about everyone getting their vaccines because it's important to know that they are safe, they are effective and everyone should get them. So you should celebrate all of your friends getting them. You should encourage
2: them to do it and you should get it yourself. There's my, and by the time
1: this airs, you'll be fully
2: inoculated. Like, Totally good to go. Well, and uh, ce- celebrate the fact that it's out there and it works and that your local system has figured out what the logistics and administration ad- to actually put it into your arm. Not not every locale is as fortunate as that. And, uh, and we've discussed on a previous podcast what some of the technical challenges are. But uh, the fact that A, it exists and B, it happened. Good on you, sir.
0: Uh, (laughs) in the
1: in the spirit of we're all in this together i want to go to england and do a road show this summer so i need to make sure the governments all get along and the people all get their shots i already had a i've got somebody this week signed up for one of the road shows in england so you know i got money on the line I, i will lose money if we i have to get money back if we don't do this so Yes. Get your shots. So get your yeah. shots, everybody. Get your shots. Please do, yeah, please do get your shots.
2: And please, let's get back to business here. And, and you know, while, while we, again, have an ongoing debate about how many of these live and in-person events will come back, you're, you're listening to three human beings who sincerely hope the right ones come back. <laughs> the fun ones.
0: The fun, I, I look forward to having fun. I distinctly say that. I'm definitely what looking forward London to going.
2: Qualifies of as
1: a good one. <laughs> Very good. So, do we have a uh, sponsor today?
0: We are. We're sponsored this week by our friends at Ignite. Are you still using on-prem file servers and VPNs to share files with remote workers? Ignite is a business-class cloud sharing solution that works more like your on-prem server than other solutions. With a security first approach to file sharing and collaboration, Ignite offers multiple options for sharing files and collecting files from outside sources. And do it all addressing data governance and compliance. Want to learn more? Check out ignite.com MSP. And when you do,
1: tell them we sent you. Alrighty, well our first topic today is, I, I've entitled it, Cops and robots, because I thought that was funny. So (laughs) we have talked before about artificial intelligence and uh, facial recognition and how there's some nervousness about how these technologies are used, particularly being used differently with different uh, ethnic groups. And so now comes the New York uh, City Police Department Uh, there. They are being sued. A move is being made to have them not enforce or not use armed robots. They do have robots. They don't have any armed robots. So this is kind of a preemptive move to keep them from having armed robots. I don't know that there's necessarily a problem here because I can see sending an armed robot in where you don't want a whole bunch of policemen to get killed. And they could just take out somebody's kneecaps. So, dude, I, I saw RoboCop. That does not end well. Like, <laughs> like, it, 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 like, so, all right. So,
0: I will definitely say I fall on the side of I am not comfortable with a, automated armed uh, devices patrolling American streets. Like, I'm just not comfortable with that. Um, and so, I will definitely fall onto that onto that side. Um, because you know, because, because I don't think we have enough clear guidance or thinking or understanding of how those will work. Um, we're we're still debating uh, autonomous vehicles and don't even have just vehicles done, much less giving them weapons. Uh, I, I'm I think I'm at the point where, but I, and I definitely think we have way too many open questions around. Uh, communities and the way policing is done in general, and I'm not, I don't want, I'm not trying to go down the particular uh, arguments around that, but we definitely know from a data perspective that we have inconsistencies in the way this is done, and adding technology just makes it more complicated. I'm uncomfortable with that, and this is in the category of just because we can do something doesn't mean we should do something.
2: Yeah, see, I think that's exactly where where it goes, and we've used that precise analysis on uh, bias in algorithms and using artificial intelligence in surveillance. Uh, this this is a running theme for us here at the Killing It podcast that that we are adamantly opposed to just abdicating questions of judgment into the machine learning atmosphere, Uh, I I will, you know, because movie quotes always make everything a little bit more tangible and real to us, right? I I will refer to a one of the recent James Bond movies in which, uh, you know, the James Bond sitting in a museum having a conversation with Q about, you know, isn't it funny that uh, technology can't solve all of our problems because, you know, as Q puts it, sometimes a trigger still needs to be pulled, and James's response is, or not pulled, and that's the difficult decision that technology cannot make. That human element of context and situation, and uh, what is what what is necessary, and what is acceptable, and what is moral and ethical. I don't I, I don't know the, how long the time frame is until we will adequately address. Those aspects in an algorithm, well, and therefore, please keep the guns off the robots.
1: I do have to say, so the robots, and you've probably seen the pictures of them. They they kind of look like little dogs without heads, which kind of freaks me out. <laughs> I'd rather just have them like glue a head to this thing, and I'd feel better about it. But the the little dog robots, those are remote controlled. Like there's no AI that I know of in these yet. Uh, I do think we have to put that always in the question of because I think we're agreed AI depends a lot on who is programming the AI um, and, and the, you know, the biases of the programmer, the biases of the department get pushed into the AI and then somehow we say, oh, it's out of our hands. I don't think we're there yet, but I do think this is a good opportunity to discuss what rules do we want in place before we find this acceptable? And I think you could come up with rules that it, it then becomes acceptable, assuming that the rules are followed. Well, so it's interesting because
0: I would have gone, while I don't disagree with anything that you've said, because I do want there to be that thought is, is I actually want to understand a little bit more about the what problem are we trying to solve? Like if if we're thinking about dangerous situations, are we spending our money on very expensive robots with all of this automation? Or perhaps we need more mental health workers, or maybe we need to invest in, you know, investing in a uh, in alternate methods for helping with conflict resolution. You know, for example, I mean, I I happen to be a proponent of the idea of investing more in social workers and people that can be, you know, anytime there's a domestic dispute, do I need an armed officer to be the only solution to the problem? It'd be
1: nice if you could get a counselor, an emergency counselor, to come to that situation. So. And I, you know I don't disagree with you but I do have to say in the real world those are two different budgets and there's not much that that you can do about it when you're on a panel and the question is buy the robot or don't buy the robot
0: ah but see Carl but now you've hit on i want to go and solve the why are we talking about two different budgets why are we talking about two different buckets why can't we at a local level start looking at this smarter because by the way we do that in business right we don't we don't just go oh well that's in the that's in that one bucket i will never possibly ever touch that No, we talk about priorities and we talk about the way that it's done. And I still, I think at a local community level, we should be able to solve, we should be able to have those conversations. And And communities should be able to run the the way
2: they want. See, I agree with you 100%. Two data points does not indicate a trend, but what was it? Two weeks ago here on this show, we actually discussed the art installation in which somebody... As, you know, as a representation in an art world, use that same Boston Dynamics dog robot and attached a rifle to the top of it and said, well, hmm, what would we do if that was true? Now, here we are two weeks later, we're discussing it again in a less artistic, more tangible way. And we're still saying, no, this isn't gonna be there. Well, this is precisely the prod that should require us to fundamentally rethink the decision-making and budgeting structures that will be used to buy technology in the future. I, I have lived this in the real world, right? We've worked for years in selling technology, whether it's connectivity or ruggedness or whatever, into the public safety marketplace. Selling computers to cops has always been a question of, well, they want it and they need it and they bought it, And then, oh, but the administration and the data management, that's a different department, a different budget. And as a result, radically available technologies are totally underutilized in a public safety environment, not because the technology doesn't exist and not because it's not good for the cops and for the communities, but because we can't figure out how to pay for it. And it is time when a robot shows up with a gun, even in an artistic installation, now is time to stop using the budgeting practices of the past so, so i'll make
0: this i'll make this actionable to close it out right and so, and the reason is, is i th- i think a lot to make sure that when you're having conversations with your customers and you're thinking about this you are trying you're getting to the root cause as opposed to just applying technology for my case my example is, is i worked with a customer once who was super interested in putting surveillance software on all of his employees. And ultimately, you know, you look at that and say, if you can work a little bit more toward create, perhaps creating a culture and a hiring practice where that isn't required, and you your alignment of motivation is around, you know, getting results versus versus surveillance, that's a better use of that money. So remember, right. like, just because we can doesn't mean we should. They All get, culture, getting, business, yeah, or, yeah. or
1: economics, or whatever, starts at the top and works its way down, or yeah. it grows from the bottom up. Yep. So I will I will move us on to our
0: second topic of the day and let's talk Bitcoin because who doesn't like talking about Bitcoin these days? But more importantly, let's put it from the perspective of because the uh, we want to talk a little bit about the collision of the of Bitcoin cryptocurrency blockchain and green initiatives. Because, you know, the the particular headline here that we're we're pulling from is, can cryptocurrencies and their vast energy use coexist with Singapore's green goals? In this case, we're digging into the fact that uh, in Singapore, they've got some some particularly aggressive goals about the way they want to change their consumption of energy. And one of the downsides of all of this crypto energy or work is the energy that it generates. And in fact, you know, the, one of the, the, you know, there's a stat that we'd, we'd pull there in crypto. Bitcoin mining uses about the same amount of electricity as Norway. Like
1: amazing. Norway, the and country. <laughs> this has been one of my favorite topics for about five years. And I actually have a you know, one of these Google uh, searches that, that I've gotten alert out for Bitcoin and electricity because there's all these absurd stories of Bitcoin miners, you know, setting up shop in the far northern regions where it's super cold and they pay less for air conditioning and so forth. But um, it makes Bitcoin a serious problem with regard to green And and to be honest, I'm a much bigger fan of these blockchains that are not based on the scarcity of mining, right? Because what we're doing is pushing people to create Bitcoin so that they can, you know, put in whatever, $10,000 worth of energy and come out with $15,000 worth of Bitcoin or 40 or 60 or whatever it is this week. Uh, And so it's one of these things where, I don't know. I'm just I don't buy into the it has inherent value all by itself.
2: See, I agree with you. And, and that's the, my first problem with this has always been that that mining construct is entirely artificial. You could have set it up where uh, in order to earn a Bitcoin, instead of doing all of that server crunching and cycle processing, it was based on uh, the first one who can do 10,000 push-ups. And the, 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 the inherent value would have been exactly the same in terms of all the market dynamics. That is, the fact that we have to consume electricity to create a, a Bitcoin is just a video game construct. Somebody made it up, and therefore, we've all accepted it. But that doesn't mean it's not going to be real. And for all the th- times the, the three of us have joked about it and laughed about it in the last six months, It should be abundantly clear that this Bitcoin stuff ain't going anywhere and we're all going to need to deal with whether that's the moral or the economic questions of it or the taxation questions of it. Somebody just needs to say, it's going to be here and now let's deal with the logistics of it. And Carl's right on target. The logistics of it is, it is not even remotely green the way that it is set up now and god bless the folks in singapore for that particular policy they have a number i don't agree with but this is one i think is brilliant where any technology initiative on that island must meet their green standards and in such a densely populated place where where electricity and the pollution associated with generating it has massive societal impacts Boy, that's a really smart model that the rest of us. right might and the want funny to
0: thing out. is, you've completely redefined Bitcoin, bro, by uh, assigning <laughs> push-ups to the uh, to the thinking. Now I'm going to completely envision that in a whole new way. What well, I'm going to layer on another interesting piece about this because I want to make sure that we're not we aren't dismissive of the idea. And by the way, neither is Bank of America. We've included another link here to to their statements as they look on, in their report, Bitcoin's dirty little secrets they are very intrigued by the idea of the distributed finance they're much more more interested in ethereum and the way that it works from a distribution point because it also takes it on in a different way than the centralized bitcoin with the mining elements and stuff and i know i may not be speaking perfectly bitcoin bros uh but you know the the idea here is because i want to make sure that i am not dismissive of the technology or the way it can be used and i definitely see you know i've said it around the end NFT stuff. I'm intrigued by smart contracts, by the way ownership can be tracked in a very uh, systematic way. I'm very intrigued by the idea of decentralized finances. I think that there are real implementations there. But like all early day technologies, there's going to be a bunch of garbage, too. And you've got to sort through what makes sense. I'm not, you know, personally, if I get, had was asked the choice of the energy use versus what you're getting. Yeah, I don't think that's worth it for all
1: of that effort. Well, uh, and we've seen that not only the, the the country, the nation of Russia, but many, many banks and organizations have developed their own Bitcoin uh, alternatives. Um Blockchain is absolutely here to stay. That doesn't mean it has to be used uh, for Bitcoin in the finance world. And Bank of America's point is really that, hey, decentralized finance has lots and lots of benefits. Particularly, you know, it is absurd that I, you know, get a check and I deposit it on my phone and it doesn't show up in my bank for 24 hours. Like, there hasn't been a reason for that in 20 years, right. but but it still happens. Right. So there, there are benefits of, of an all electronic economy and maybe we'll get there someday. Um, that doesn't mean it needs to be based on Bitcoin. And uh, again, I think the long play, you know, if I were going to buy stock, it might be Ethereum and not BTC. Well, I I didn't, I didn't, I've,
0: I've had that actually conversation with my own financial teams is, is the like, you know, look, I think there's something interesting going on here. Uh, I want to differentiate between the general idea of cryptocurrency and some of the specific implementations. I can be high on one and as a, as an area and lower on a particular implementation
2: that is not mutually exclusive. Yeah, one does have to wonder if... As we recognize what is legitimate and significant and uh, appropriate in this uh, Bitcoin or the the blockchain technologies, uh, as it becomes more, mature right and in, i mean that in both senses of that word as it becomes more mature will we see some of the silly applications of the technology right this week was the announcement that the first ever nft house was sold online for no kidding 512000 actual US dollar value. Uh, It only exists in the real world. However, it did come with the license that you could use that NFT digital plan to construct that home in the real world if you would like. They would grant you the real world license as well. But uh, really, it's just going to be like somebody's house in Roblox right now. And uh, they paid 512,000 actual dollars for it. Now, I think that's absurd and silly. I wonder as Bank of America, et cetera, et cetera, all of those folks get involved in this conversation. If some of the silliness factor will go away and then the, the rest of us will actually start to take it a little more seriously. But I'm with you guys. It ain't going anywhere and there are practical applications for it. So let's see if we
1: can become grownups in the, the blockchain world.
2: Did you notice
1: there's a question on your tax return right at the top that says, uh, "Did you receive, sell, exchange, or otherwise acquire any financial interest in any virtual currency? Yes or no." (laughs) (laughs) It's a real. It's a real. It
0: is a real thing. We are tracking all of that, but uh,
2: and you will be taxed. Yes, we are now all official and real excellent well so an ongoing topic right uh that we will come back to on the on the blockchain side now i want to transition into our third topic and this one is some inside dynamics for the technology industry, for the channel, and specifically focused on distribution. So we want to discuss the recently announced merger of Tech Data and Synex, and the implications that it will have for you as an individual solution provider, for you as a vendor manufacturer, and for those of you who live in the distribution space. Uh, will it completely overhaul the industry? Will the combination of these two now yielding a combined mass of $57 billion of annual revenue and truly a global footprint for both of these populations? Will it affect you every single day? Will it change the dynamics of the industry? And what do you think about these
1: two companies choosing to align and get together? You know, it's funny. I would say, you know, one of your questions in there is will this change the industry? No. I think this is a representation that the industry's already changed. Like this is the aftermath of everybody selling software as a service, in which case the distributor competes with SureWeb and Intermedia and AppRiver for being the reseller, uh, or going direct. Which of course, you know, uh, it's been many many years. I wrote a blog post one time. The word of the year. This is probably five years ago is disintermediation, right? We, we, we've all been disintermediated. Uh, and that means that uh, distributors have less power. And then of course, as people are, you know, mostly getting rid of servers in small businesses, nobody's selling those servers, which means they're not buying them from distributors. And the big data centers aren't buying from distributors, either they're going direct to manufacturers or creating their own. So I think it's, time for this to begin
0: well so you know for me i I gotta observe that's a freaking tough business right distribution tough tough business tougher than Uh, it was five years ago right tougher (laughs) than it was and it is a and it is a volume game so to feed that machine you continue to have to 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 continue to to drive volume and thus you know from a super simplistic financial perspective really the only way to hit investors goals on this is to make it a lot bigger and that's some kind of acquisition and roll it all together right that is that is ultimately the way that that machine gets fed for those investors so uh, i am not at all shocked i will also make my standard comment for most of this is nothing has changed today that was not true about a week ago prior to us knowing about this acquisition there is there is nothing different, right? Like there is nothing different. Now, is so then I always look to the, okay, will something interesting come out of this? And my sort of scale on on measurement and nothing of this is ever perfect, is I like to look and say, is this what I classify as like a momentum style investment, meaning the investors are looking to, to keep up the momentum of a particular direction financially that they've seen, or is this based on fundamentals? I, we can work on this business and make it more, more, right? We can make it faster, better, uh, whatever that is, because we have the skill to in, put some money into this and accelerate its fundamentals. And for me, this, is the, this falls on the momentum end. Momentum for me as a small entrepreneur is super boring because it's just like, you just want to make more money. Okay, cool. Like I get that, right? Like that's, that's makes sense, but you are not creating something. The deals that fall over on the fundamental scale for me as an entrepreneur are super interesting because things are created when we improve or pull them together or combine things. So for me, it's like, well, this falls on the momentum end of my scale. Okay like cool, yeah, it's fine. Uh, But as an entrepreneur, that's my lens.
1: One thing that some people may not realize is if you go to Greenville, South Carolina, Cynics is literally across the street from ScanSource, one of their major competitors. And so, but that wasn't the natural um, deal that got made here there are going to be probably a few uh, competitors left but i think this is the beginning of the consolidation. Well and, and so i hope they figure out something new and interesting and different to do. I just am not sure what that would be, Dave.
2: Well, see, this is this is where i will take both of your arguments and say you you've the two of you together have made the point that this is not business as usual or the natural evolution of an industry because Carl to your point the the margins available on traditional distribution in the product slash hardware environment or on premises in uh, conversation those fundamentals are declining and have been for a number of years but they're declining to the point where it's going to become unsustainable and therefore you do need to alter what the business is that you are in but to your point Dave this is this is not just a scale alteration. Of of do more of the same that will allow you to find efficiencies, reduce operating costs, and eke out another, uh, another dollar. Now, again, God bless the folks in distribution, the margins that are there, and the operating environment of measuring profits in basis points. That requires a business ninja level on finance and operations that almost nobody in the vendor manufacturer world could possibly rival especially in the software world where you know we deal with things like 85% gross margin and uh, you know they there is a lot more margin for error in the manufacturing world and distributors have figured out how to do these things with an amazing amount of precision however If you look forward into a cloud-based world, into an off-prem world, into any of the new dynamics of services and implementation and integration and ongoing security needs and requirements, distribution as it has been can no longer justify a permanent place in the market. It must adapt to be valuable in a way that does not require moving boxes. Now, again, Not gonna happen tomorrow because 57 billion plus 47 billion plus five, there's still a whole lot of gear that moves through distribution. It's not accurate to say nobody sells on-prem servers anymore because wow, that's a whole lot of revenue. But in the future that we can see where traditional distribution is no longer mission critical, it requires that we create a business apparatus that is not a vendor creating product, that is not a solution provider implementing product, but can provide aggregated financial, technical, professional services that grease the skids of the entire industry. I will, I will point people to, we've put in two different articles here. Uh, one's the announcement about the uh, the merger, the other is a response from what will now be the third largest North American distributor, the folks at DNH. This affects you. No, I don't care what your job description is in the industry. This announcement will affect your job. So it's on us, it's on you. Make sure you learn what's going on. So I-
0: I feel morally obligated to continue to eat some crow, and so I will do it on this. <laughs> I have been, pre pandemic, I was very dismissive of distribution. Um, and the one thing that the, that the particularly the first quarter or so of the transition to work from home and the investment there is I was very impressed by distribution's reaction and its ability to provide financing and credit and terms in this space. And so I would be remiss if I didn't focus on the fact that the, one of the values that I do not want to undersell of distribution is its ability to help be the bank. Right? I know Carl says it in his education, we talk about it all the time, you are not a bank as an IT ser- service provider, you should not be the bank. But you know who can be the bank is distribution. <laughs> We're quite good at that. And in fact, have terms for it. So I would be remiss if I didn't leave your action of saying you got to think about that.
1: Very good. Well, I think we've covered it all today and that will do it for episode 105 of the Killing It, Killing Killing it.
0: Killing
2: podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Killing It podcast.
0: Please share with your friends and tell everyone to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and all the podcast places. Join us next week and help us keep killing it in the technology business.